Welcome to Pocketry Presents, the podcast for emerging and aspiring poets. I'm Indrani Pereira, the founder of Pocketry, the home of unheard voices. I'm coming to you from the lands and waterways of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge that this is stolen land and that sovereignty has never been ceded. In this episode of Pocketry Presents, I'm interviewing an established poet about their creative process. Joining me today from Wurundjeri country is Tabani Chuma. Tabani Chuma is a Zimbabwean writer and performance poet. His work can be found in publications such as Dichotomy Magazine and Next in Colour. He's a co-curator of Thin Red Lines, a 2019 Hot Desk Fellowship recipient with the Wheeler Centre, featured author with Jed Press, Slamalama Ding Dong's 2019 Grand Slam champion. He ranked among the top 50 slam poets worldwide at IWPS 2019, and he was a winner of all major awards at the 2019 Melbourne Spoken Word Prize. Writing is the aperture through which he views the world and experiences self in relation to others. Welcome to Barney. I'm glad you could join me today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm super curious with your background and experience in spoken word to learn about your creative process. I wonder how that might be different to page poetry, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like to start by asking you where you write. So is that at home, on the bus, in a park? It depends. I feel like a lot naturally, a lot of my writing <laughs> recently has been at home. But I do, I do keep a, a running folder of notes on my phone. So kind of wherever I am, if an idea comes to me or like a line comes to me, you know, I see something interesting, hear something interesting, I'll kind of make a note of it and then come back to it later or never. <laughs> I still have rolling ideas <laughs> from two years ago that I still haven't kind of looked at or done anything with. Um, but mostly at home for like the meaty writing. Yeah, wherever wherever I can find the space, you know, I'm not one of those people that needs a specific environment to write like I can write anywhere (laughs) Uh, as long as I have you know something to write on or with that's a really good skill to have and when you are writing are you using scraps of paper or you're on a phone lately it's just been on my phone or on my computer there was a time I preferred writing on paper but with with stuff like submissions and you know, putting together a collection, it's it's easier to write it digitally because then I have that instant access. So I've gotten in the habit of digital writing, even though like in an ideal world, <laughs> I would write on paper, but it's just more practical for me to use like my phone or my computer because then I have everything in its various folders, can access it, can edit it, copy and paste it, send it out. And yeah, it just makes my life a whole lot easier. When you say that you prefer to use paper, why is that? It's a sensory thing. I think I'm a very tactile person. I like the feel of the pen in my hand gliding across the page. I don't know. There's 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 something romantic about it. <laughs> you feel like mm, I'm, an, I'm a writer out in the world penning something <laughs> um, rather than like on my phone. It's like, oh, am I texting? Am I on social media? <laughs> Is, it's it's like a sacred space on the paper, and I think just the the flow of it. I find 
when I'm writing on paper versus on a digital screen, I'm more chaotic and there's more like mess to it because digitally, you know, I have spell check and getting all those red lines <laughs> under my grammar, whereas on paper, there isn't any of that. And I'm like, I'm drawing from just straight from the head to the page. But digitally, it's kind of more filtered. I can crop out things instantly. It's like editing as you're writing, whereas on paper, it's, it's kind of messier and it feels more organic to me. Do you think that process changes the end result at all? Not necessarily. I don't know. There are purists who do believe that, you know, good art can only be made on the page, on pen and paper. But I, I don't think so. I think it's more about learning, learning how to use the medium and kind of getting comfort in the medium. It's kind of with the same idea of like painters. You know, you have some who do oil, some who do acrylic. And, you know, no one's necessarily a better painter just because of the medium they use. It's, you know, the skill that they learn to use and the experience they get using. So there was a time I would say I was a better writer on paper, but that's just because I had more practice on paper and more experience on paper and I was more familiar on paper. But now I've got that same sense of familiarity with like the digital sphere and I have the same level of comfort writing digitally and it kind of becomes exactly the same for me. I like how you compared that writing with either the phone or paper to painting in a different medium. I'd never really thought about it like that, but it's quite a good comparison, I think. And I also mm. feel that the familiarity would help as well. We're so used to writing with pen and paper because that's how we start out when we're kids. At first, mm. it feels strange, but over time, I guess yeah. you become accustomed to it. Yeah, exactly. And you gain that like literacy with you know digital spheres i always look at like um my mom and she's terrible with computers and that's just because she hasn't had enough practice but kind of like i grew up in a a good era where we got to like play a lot with like digital stuff and that's you know i've always had a comfort in that space as well um so yeah it's interesting how they're different i feel like there's also like the psychological elements of it it's like how you're more inclined to remember things that you write down but again I don't think that's necessarily because of the act of writing I think it's because of you know that familiarity that we're talking about and that comfort with using the medium it's like if you'd always typed out everything you'd be you'd remember things easier that were typed out because you've used that more often so I think yeah I think it's just about sticking to <laughs> sticking to the one that you do. It's like if you write on paper, stick to paper. If you write on digital, stick to digital, you know. When you're writing on your screen then, when do you write? Like is it a certain time of day or a mood or emotions? Mm, it, it depends on the piece. I feel like generally a lot of my pieces I write at night because <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm an extreme night owl. So I love I love the quiet of nighttime and the lack of responsibility. I feel like no one's ever going to be trying to reach out to me. No one's going to be trying to distract me. Late at night, I, I find a sense of peace. 
So that's always a nice space to write in because there's few distractions and I kind of just focus on whatever it is I'm doing. But there's some pieces that will come to me during the day and some pieces that'll be like in response to a feeling or an experience that I've had. And I won't necessarily be like, oh, I'm going to wait until it's nighttime to write about this <laughs> if I have the time. I think that's that's probably the, the most <laughs> important thing. I, I write when I have the time or when I can make the time <laughs> um, rather than to a specific time. It's like whenever the time is available. So you're, you're saying you're relatively flexible going with the, the when the muse is calling, but also when you have that space and the time to do it as well. Yeah, exactly. And how do you write when those those ideas come to you? Are you writing in sentences or paragraphs? Are they dot points or are they fragments? It kind of depends on the poem, really. I feel like it, it always starts with, with an idea or an experience or a feeling or a narrative. And I would say I write line by line, but not necessarily in a linear order. So I'm not going from like a, an opening line to an ending line. Sometimes I'll start in the middle. And for me, it's just about reaching the different points. I, like, I'm one of those believers that every poem starts at point A and ends at point B. So wherever I fall on the spectrum with that line, it's like, okay, how can I work back to point A and how can I work forward to point B? So it doesn't really matter where in the line that I start, as long as I end up working to that opening A and that closing B. And when you start in the middle, do you have a sense that you're in the middle as you're doing it? Yeah. I, for me, it's a lot about change. I like my poems start somewhere and end somewhere different. So if I'm in the middle, I'll know there's, there's space on both sides. It's like, how did I get here is the question. And where am I going is <laughs> the other question. If I know where I'm going... <laughs> I'm usually at the start. If I wonder how I got there, I'm usually at the end. And if I don't know either, I'm usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah, nice. And when you're writing your poems, do you write it all in one go or are you writing a little bit at a time? With some pieces, they come all at once and some they'll take time. Some I'll put down for months and then come back to it and workshop it. Some I'll take two poems and kind of just like blend them together into one so it kind of depends on the poem really more than me it's like what does the poem need and do I have everything that I need to say what I need to say in that moment when I have everything I'm usually able to kind of write it all at once and then I'll come back and edit it later but sometimes you know there's something more I need to feel or something more I need to observe or something more I need to experience before I can fully give the piece the life that it's trying to bring out. And do you have a sense in those moments when a piece isn't complete that there is something missing? Mm, I want to say yes, but that's mostly from doing a lot of work in editing my own writing. Um, so I kind of, I've gained a better familiarity of my own work and like how I try and say things and the best way for me to say things. It's difficult because it's not necessarily something tangible where I can be like, oh yeah, this, this is the missing piece. This is what I need to add. It's more of a feeling or kind of like an idea. It's like I, I have a sense of the rhythm, but I can't, I can't really say what it is 
that's missing. It's like you know it, you know it when you see it. But other than that, it's hard. It's difficult to articulate because it's not necessarily something formal or you know something technical. It's kind of just a a reading of the poem. I spent a lot of time back when we could going to open mic, and that's where I would take a lot of my first draft poems. And in that first reading, where it's still in this roughest draft, that's where I can kind of feel that mm, it needs this or it needs that or the rhythm is off here. So I think for me, yeah, like reading it out loud is the way that I determine what's missing. And, you know, I don't always, sometimes I miss what's missing. <laughs> and sometimes I think, oh, this is complete, but really it's something. And that's where distance helps because I can come back to it later and be like, oh, okay, this is what the poem needed. Now that we can't go to gigs anymore, when you're reading <laughs> your poems, do you read them aloud? Yeah, just to myself. Because I, I find that's the only way for me to really understand the rhythm. Because there are people that, you know, are able to read meter and like read syllables. I, I'm not one of those people. I need to I need to hear it. Uh, so I can hear syllables, but I can't read them. So it's only when I read it out loud that I can kind of hear the actual rhythm and feel it in my body. I'm, I don't know. I'm one of those people that believe that poetry is largely a vocal art form and it's like it's something in the bones you feel it you kind of need that vocal resonance to know and to be able to really feel what the piece is saying oh there's so many thoughts in there i'm not quite <laughs> sure where to go next i guess i'd like to ask about revising your poetry so you touched on a little bit there that you edit your work and mm-hmm. i wondered if you wanted to say a little bit more about what that might look like yeah because it wasn't something that I always did. And I guess it, it's it's a new-ish, I don't know, new as maybe the past couple of years. But there was, there was a time that I really thought that, you know, art should be, like it shouldn't have editing. It should just be that raw expression that, that just like everything that comes out, that's it. That's the art. That's the unfiltered expression. But I've learned kind of to to use editing as part of the creative process. And for me, it's become a conversation with the poem and thinking about how best to bring to life what it is that the poem needs to bring to life. I don't know, it's, I, I believe that every poem has kind of a life of its own and a voice of its own. And we as poets are simply the conduits of that. So it allows me to kind of step back from myself and and listen to the poem listen it needs to kind of dance across the page and give you know give that carry that feeling that it's trying to i feel like it's a lot about transforming because you know words and language they there's so many connotations and so many semantics and there's so much on the actual linguistic side of it that you don't realize an effect on the listener or the reader, like even just the the rhythm. There's some words that just sound better and there isn't like a technical reason behind it. <laughs> it's, they're just some combinations of words just sound better and carry emotion a lot stronger than others. So I think for me, editing is a lot about finding the most effective way and then kind of applying the various tools and techniques of 
you know, formal poetics and be like, okay, what tool can I apply here to kind of get this across? If I'm trying to, you know, convey immediacy, what am I going to use? If I'm trying to convey elonging, like how, how can I use the right enjambment here? It's, yeah, it's about picking it apart for me, which I've grown to really enjoy. I play a lot of video games. So I find editing kind of mirrors that process of, you know, problem solving. And there is the, the reward at the end when you finally get that right what is needed, which I really enjoy. Like it's a, it's a fun little game of solving the poem <laughs> once you have all the raw materials that came from that first expression of like unfiltered emotion. I think it's a nice way to approach editing to see it as part of the creative process instead of sort of interfering with it. And I like the way that you gain yeah. it detail, you know. I think that's really cool <laughs> that you get this reward. Your reward is a, a wonderful poem at the end and you get to kind of play mm. along the way to get there. I think that's a great way to look at editing. So I wanted to ask you next how often you write. Does it happen sort of a daily, weekly or monthly basis or is it more for when the mood strikes or even to a deadline perhaps? Uh, it varies, I suppose. Like, I always feel like I don't write enough. <laughs> like, I could always be doing more. And deadlines do help. But I'm, I'm also a very chaotic <laughs> writer. So routine doesn't work for me. I Like, I've tried to do that. Okay, I'll write 100 words a day and, like, make sure that I follow this strict regiment of constant writing and it's, it just doesn't work for me. So I'm, I think the, the best kind of practical thing for me is that idea I mentioned of keeping notes running. So I always have a little bag of ideas or bag of things to kind of draw from and experiment with and play with. So that always feels like something that's ongoing because I'm constantly adding to it or taking stuff out of it. So in a way... I'm always writing without actually, you know, doing the writing, writing. But I don't know, I feel like we're always writing if we're engaging with the world. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be about sitting down and finishing a poem. I feel like even watching TV, going for a walk, talking to my friends, that's part of the writing process because I'm, I'm learning things and I'm having critical conversations and I'm observing other people's art and I'm seeing their expression and, you know, contrasting against my life and thinking, oh, how would I tell the same story? What would I do in that scenario? What were the tools that they used? So I feel like as long as I'm actively engaging and participating in the world, that's always part of my writing process. And that cuts down the actual writing time because it gives me all these little tools to draw from and all these experiences to draw from. And if I make notes of them, they're all just there at my disposal whenever I actually need to meet a deadline <laughs> and jot things down in time. Yeah. So those notes that you are taking, are they things that sort of catch your ear or your eye, things you're curious about? Mm, yeah. So they, like the structure is like a running stock point. <laughs> But sometimes it'll be a line that I think of. Sometimes it'll be a quote that I hear, a quote someone says. It'll be an idea. It'll be a, a theme, a feeling that I want to explore. It'll be something I've 
seen someone else do in a poem or in a performance. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I want to kind of do something like that or use that technique. It's a very, very chaotic <laughs> series of documents because they're just like all scattered throughout my notes app. <laughs> but yeah, they all help me to write. And those notes. So when you find that little space of time that you're talking about before, you just pop into your notes and go, oh, that looks good and have a play. Mm, yeah. Or if I, usually if I'm stuck and if I'm like, hmm, I, I have the time, but there's nothing particularly I feel like writing about, I'll go and be like, okay, oh yeah, that, that was a cool idea. That, that's it. Let's, let's play with that. Or if I'm within a poem and I'm like, oh, it's missing something, I go to the little box and I'm like, hmm, what can I draw out and add here? And what can I, what connections can I make with all the different things that I've been <laughs> I really like the idea. Have you got a specific app that you're using to do this? I use Evernote, which isn't terrible. I feel like there's so there's so many different ones. I only use it because it's something that I've used for a long time. <laughs> so I'm very familiar with the interface. I'm familiar, like it does everything that I need to do. But I'm sure they're more streamlined apps. That's always the struggle with like finding an app to write with. It's like there's so many and they all serve different functions. So yeah, Evernote works for me. <laughs> Can't necessarily recommend it because yeah, I feel like it's an individual thing. Different people are after different things. It's a nice starting point though, if you don't use a notes app and you're curious. Yeah, definitely. Like it covers all the bases. I'm not sure if we've sort of covered this already, but I did want to ask about writer's block and if you get it and mm. how you deal with it. Mm. I I actually don't believe in writer's block. I don't think it's a thing. I think it's a, a byproduct of like capitalist grind culture where we always have to be producing and producing and producing and like you always have to be putting content out, always making stuff. I think if, if I'm blocked, it means it's not a time for me to be writing. You know, it's a time for me to be listening, to be observing. I don't, I don't think it's necessary for me to always be talking or always be sharing or always kind of be writing. Sometimes I need to introspect and I need to slow down. I need to observe. I need to engage with other art forms. I need to just have conversations with people, get out in the world and live, <laughs> live a little. And usually do that for long enough and you have stuff to write about. You find stuff to write about. You experience things that become necessary for you to speak about. Yeah. So I think writer's block, it doesn't, it doesn't like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I get writer's block. I just get times where I'm not supposed to be writing. <laughs> and in those times, I don't write. <laughs> and that works for me. But it's, yeah, it's understandably difficult when we kind of intersect art and you know commercialism and capitalism because if writing is your livelihood <laughs> then you can't afford to take spaces and you can't afford um to take that time to slow down and you kind of are forced into the scenario where you always have to be writing you always have to be producing content and sharing the content and engaging with the audience so it does you know create this difficulty I, I don't know how to overcome that, <laughs> um, but that's because writing isn't like my main source of income. Like a, I don't do writing as my <laughs> job. <laughs> so that, that allows me the space not to have to, but I feel like if I was a full-time writer, it might look differently. <laughs> 
I wonder, do you think that art and commerce are incompatible in that way that it places demands on you to constantly produce if you are mixing the two? I think so. And it's it's largely because of the way that we do it. Because if you if you strip it down to the bones, it's like art art does have value, immense value, and value can be exchanged. Like that's that's the fundamental of commerce is the exchange of value. So on that level, then yes, they they work because it's just an exchange of value. But the the kind of implementation, it's like it works it works theoretically, but <laughs> in practice it becomes a lot more difficult because you know the value becomes indeterminate and it 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 requires you to constantly be churning it out in order to to make a living really and the only kind of sustainable way to do that is if like artists were paid more which i think is the main problem is like the arts are so incredibly underfunded or the funding is like very skewed and you have like a select group of popular artists that are making all the money and then the rest of the artists are kind of you know that fitting into that struggling artist trope so it's it would require you know arts funding to be greatly increased and art to be paid in proportion to the value but that presents another problem because how do you how do you quantify the value of art it's like how do you how do you say how much a poem is worth it's it's something that always blows my mind when like someone asks me for a quote. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how am I? How do I put a price <laughs> on a poem? <laughs> and you, you you end up just charging what everyone else is charging. So it's like if all the poets were like, you know, ten grand a poem, <laughs> would would that shift the culture? If like if no poet would accept any less, <laughs> would that kind of you know shift our collective income? But yeah, it's a very convoluted, you know, space to exist in. I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to be a full-time writer, but I I can't find a sustainable way to do that yet. Something I'm still looking for, something I'm still trying to figure out how to do, uh, but it feels a lot like the environment isn't created for that to be, you know, a sustainable way of living. Which is sad, but kind of a reality, <laughs> you know, we have to accept for now. But I feel like that's also the importance of kind of having conversations about it, because that's the only way that we're going to change the culture and like change the way, you know, us and commerce do intersect. Because I feel like it would be naive to want a world where that doesn't happen at all. I feel like on some level, it's, that's just the way the world works currently so in order to ship that we kind of just gotta do the thing <laughs> have the difficult conversation agitate for an award wage for poets perhaps yes <laughs> the days of like you know patrons of the arts bring those back <laughs> yes yes I, I so would love that <laughs> to be one of those painters who just had a wealthy patron buying all of their oil mm. from their canvases and paying for their cheese and their wine yeah, give me that life. <laughs> it would be wonderful. I've really enjoyed talking to you and hearing about your organic, I, f- I feel it's an organic sort of chaotic process of writing poetry that it's quite fluid, it feels to me. And I wonder if you've got any tips on writing or revising poetry that you can offer to emerging writers. I think for me, the most important tip has been to play 
I think there's so much kind of beautiful art that comes from the process of play and approaching art as a play rather than something that's concerned with outcome and something that's, you know, concerned with being good or like being the best or trying to achieve some tangible (laughs) external goal. I think the best work comes from when we just have a play with art and kind of do it for for its own sake, you know, do it for its enjoyment, do it for its expression, do it for its connection. And we, like I found when I'm playing, that's where the most authentic stuff comes out. And I find I'm a terrible gauge of like what people want. <laughs> so when I try to write something that people want to read or people would want or like to fit a certain publication kind of thematic structure, uh, I find those pieces really difficult and I find they miss the mark a lot of the time. But when I just allow myself to have fun with it and just play with it, those are the poems that win the awards. <laughs> those are the poems that people actually end up liking it's like the ones that i just had fun with and played with so i think yeah with writing play with it and even with editing like make editing fun for you however that looks like play with the editing process don't look at it as restrictive or losing something but you know transforming something like changing for the better which is what i love most about editing it's allowing the piece to be its truest form and it's playing, playing to that point where exactly how it's supposed to be. It's a nice reminder. I think it's easy to get caught up in the seriousness and the worthiness of writing poetry, but taking mm. it back to that place of, of play and exploration, it feels like a nice place to go. Yeah. And it's a place we don't allow ourselves to go enough. <laughs> like, just play. <laughs> I agree completely with you on that. And I think that's a beautiful place to end the interview today. So I'd like to say a very big thank you for joining me, Tabani, and sharing your creative process. Thank you for having me. It's been delightful. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you want more of Tabani's work, and really who wouldn't, you can find him on socials at tabani.tuma. And to find out more about Pocketry, the home of unheard voices, visit www.pocketry.com.au and happy writing.